What time is it? Game time! Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship! Davis! Oh my god! Davis is gonna run it all the way back! Auburn's gonna win the football game! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Game Time with Garrison Hardy and my co-host, Garrett Thigpen. Garrett, how you doing since we chatted last week? I'm doing fantastic. I just moved into a new apartment, so Ooh. a little busy this weekend, but uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, been uh, I did move into a new apartment, but uh, I did an IdahoSports.com broadcast and went out to a school called Kendrick, and um, the Wi-Fi just was not working. So that was a bit of a, a tough experience there, but you know what? It, just more experience, more opportunity. So uh, we just recorded the game, and then after that, um the next day went went hiking here in some of the beautiful scenery uh here around moscow idaho uh just a lot of mountains um went and explored uh one of the rivers by elk river um and got had some good hiking trails as well which i'm not a fan of cardio so that part sucked of course yeah you know same here same here there you go. Yeah. Idaho's beautiful, though. Uh, a hidden gem of the of the U.S., I would say. Exactly. That's why it is called, you know, the gem state. So, um, uh, a fun tidbit that. for fun you. Fact. F- uh, fun fact for you at home. And we've got a lot more fun facts here in today's show. we got a lot to get through. Um, but before we dive into any of the stuff looking forward, uh, Garrett, there was some football for the first time, uh, some college football for the first time in some time uh happening this week and there were definitely some games we wanted to take a look at you know uh, some of the games that we're not really going to be diving into like Vanderbilt and Hawaii for example uh San Diego State Ohio I think there was maybe another one that I can't think of but nonetheless the big ones a couple others but yeah not, not nothing like the uh USC and the Notre Dame games exactly exactly so um USC and San Jose State we highlighted that one because obviously um, we think USC um, if if everything goes right they could be a dark horse as far as competing for a playoff spot Um, but I gotta be honest Garrett after watching that game I truthfully was not very impressed with USC now don't get me wrong their offense is incredible Caleb Williams 18 25 278 yards passing four touchdowns um you and I can talk about Zachariah Branch I mean he was another standout here in a second um yeah but USC's defense man just giving up and and again this is a San Jose State team that actually had some players so it um it wasn't like they were just kind of a complete dud of a team but just giving up 28 right, points right. to San Jose State, it, to me, it's just not a good look. Yeah, it's it's not. I think that, um, you know, USC's defense has been the big question mark coming into the season, and they didn't really – I mean, not that they could really shut out the, the doubters with this one game mm-hmm. against San Jose State, even if they played well, but – uh, they definitely didn't didn't help themselves. They just probably added more fuel to the fire because, yeah, it wasn't a great showing. Um, right. But I don't think it's anything that's going to cause people. I think, you know, knowing the defense was a question mark, people still had them uh, just just outside the playoff picture looking in. Right. Just based on the, the offense and Caleb Williams alone. And I think that, he and players like Zachariah Branch, like you mentioned, I think they showed enough to keep people still hopeful that the team can still succeed and do well enough despite the defense, right. even if they don't turn it around. Um, and then there's also the aspect that it's it's week one, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and they got a lot of new players coming in, a lot of transfers, so it might take it might take some time. That's what these games are for, usually early on in the season. Um, so I think there's still a lot of hope and room for improvement um so yeah i don't think it's necessarily something to write them off for right and and it's tough for me to talk about usc's defense in a bad way because alex grinch 
former Washington State defensive coordinator back when the Cougs uh, were in a lot of instances fighting for a chance to maybe go to the playoff. Uh, that was when Pac-12 was split into the two divisions. Well, it still is for this year too, but not for long. <laughs> um, but uh, WSU and the UW were always doing battle up in the north. The Cougs were always fighting for an opportunity to go to the Pac-12 title. And Alex Grinch, he turned what used to be a wayward Cougar defense into uh, what was known as the speed D because we're not landing mm. the big four and five star defensive linemen. So we had to use our undersized capabilities to blitz from off the edge. And it was really difficult to play Smart. against. So um, he, he just, whatever reason has not been able to replicate the, a, a same factor of, of that success at anywhere else. He's gone. Really? He first, he went to Ohio state, then he went to Oklahoma and uh, then he went now here he is at USC um, just mm-hmm. has not had that same level of success with the Cougs. So, again, um, could be an overreaction, but uh, USC, they've got some stuff to clean up. Offense was superb, as we mentioned. And I, one thing I kept hearing from that about was Zachariah Branch reminding everybody of Reggie Bush. Do you think that's a fair comparison? I mean, listen, everyone loves Reggie Bush. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got a, he's probably my favorite college football player of all time. He's one of the first stars like back when I started watching college football was kind of in the, the, the USC heyday, right. um, him, Linda white, Matt Liner taking on Vince young in the national championship. That's kind of when I started watching college football. Greatest so, game of all time, by the way, <laughs> that Texas versus I USC. I agree. No nostalgia affecting that, but yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think. You know, it's hard for me to say someone is, you know, compare them to Reggie Bush, but he does have a, a lot of the same traits. He's got the the uh, the speed, the shiftiness, uh, just the the playmaking ability to take one to the house at any time. Right. And I mean, he was the number one receiver coming out of high school last year for a reason. So right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he he showed a lot of uh, a lot of similarities to Reggie Bush, and you know, obviously wearing the same same helmet helps the comparisons, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a pretty fair comparison. He uh, he he looked impressive. That he did. That he did. So, time will tell with USC. We're gonna have to stay tuned as they uh, move on into the season. But another game that we wanted to keep an eye on was Notre Dame because Notre Dame that they've they're the similar brand to USC uh, as far as just recognize being recognizable and whatnot, the fan base, mm-hmm. the history, etc. And boy, right. did they put on a show over in Ireland, uh, shellacking Navy forty-two to three. And let's be clear, this was not like the Navy of past years, where you know Navy was actually pretty darn successful and um, would go to bowl games and whatnot. This was not that right. Navy team. But Sam Hartman, what a bright spot for Notre Dame: nineteen to twenty-three, two hundred fifty-one yards, four touchdowns. Um, Notre Dame looks pretty legit with uh, a co- this quarterback at the helm. Yeah, Sam Hartman looked fantastic. Um, you know, I think that's been a little bit of a weak point for Notre Dame in the past is uh, their quarterback play. So I think that if they if if Hartman can play as well as he has, you know, last year at Wake Forest, um, I, I think that they've got a lot of reason to believe that this could be their year to to uh, to make the playoffs again. So um, yeah, Hartman was impressive. Uh, I mean, like you said, it wasn't this this was an expected outcome right um you know this wasn't expected to be a close game uh but i think that hartman showed enough to you know give the notre dame fans some hope that uh that this this year could be a little different so um yeah i think that hartman's gonna be a big boost for them he was really good like i said last year with wake forest Mm -hmm. um and and they've been needing a quarterback so um I think this could be a good match, and and I'm happy for Hartman. I, I like Hartman. I'm glad he's in a, a position now. He's been playing college football since uh, 2018. He's just been uh, he's been playing for so long, so uh, he's got the experience to take with him. So right, yeah, uh, I, I like Notre Dame's chances to. Uh, like I said, we have we talked about last week. They have a really tough schedule, right? Um, so you know, playoff chances are still a little bit slim. Um, but I think that they can be competitive in all of those games with some of the top teams that they're going to play this year. 
Right. Yeah. And and looking at Notre Dame's schedule, you know, they had Navy. They've got Tennessee State next week. And then for me, their first test is in week three at NC State. You know, uh, hey, you might know yeah, something about yeah. them. Um, so they got oh, yeah. to travel to NC State, familiar territory for Hartman. Um, and then the big thing for me, though, with this tough schedule is Ohio State and USC both have to go to Notre Dame. Now, you and I both agreed last right. week that for Notre Dame to have really any shot of making the college football playoff, they had to win two of the three big games on their schedule. They got to beat Ohio State, USC, or Clemson, two of the three. And Clemson on the road, right. that's going to be brutal. Um, so it is, yeah. I mean, we don't, you know, we anything can happen. We don't know how good Clemson's going to be at that point, but I, I think that Clemson's going to have a a bounce back year. I mean, they weren't that bad last year, but I think that right. they're going to be back in playoff contention this year. So, yeah, I expect the Clemson game on the road is going to be probably their toughest test. Right. Um, and that com- and considering it's, you know, uh, it's in November, right before the playoff mm-hmm. or the playoff rankings are going to come out, you can't really afford to to lose uh, your second game at that point. There's, right. uh, there's too many one-loss teams that are going to be there looking to get in the playoffs that... Two losses are just probably not going to cut it. So Right. And, you know, looking at uh, how Notre Dame played in this Navy game, that obviously, again, like we said, Navy, not what they used to be. But this Notre Dame, to me, this Notre Dame offense with Hartman just went up another level compared to last year. So if you're right. Ohio State, you're not going to be able to rely on, you know, a solid run game and your defensive front to just clamp down and hold on to the game. If Notre Dame puts up 35 points at home, you might be in trouble. If you're USC and your defense, you know, is giving up 28 to uh, San Jose State and that trend continues throughout the season, you might struggle at Notre Dame. Right. The ball just the ball just seems to bounce a different way when you're on the road. So, right. um if Notre Dame is able to be consistent and keep up a similar level of composure on offense, and their defense looked pretty athletic, you know, just big, physical, and athletic against yeah, Navy. Yeah, they looked good. So uh, interesting team to keep an eye on here uh, with Notre Dame going forward. But, Garrett, that was uh, that was week zero. And one topic that we didn't get into last week uh, was of the team up north – the Michigan Wolverines, uh, kind of an interesting situation going on there. With uh, I really don't think it's going to affect them too bad. But Jim Harbaugh, um, Michigan took a self-imposed uh, suspension with Coach Harbaugh, and kind of the hope here for Michigan is they want a they want the NCAA to see. Look, we're self-imposing a, a suspension here. So go easy on us next year because the uh, right. suspension committee is going to meet next year to go over this. But um, yeah, here's kind of the gist of the situation. So this is from ESPN. Michigan self-imposed a three-game suspension for football coach Jim Harbaugh to begin the 2023 season stemming from alleged violations during the COVID-19 dead period. That's according to the university. Um Harbaugh will miss home games against East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green before making his return to the sideline for Michigan's Big Ten opener. Shocker against Rutgers. <laughs> uh, the right. NCAA took the um, unusual step of issuing a statement about this. The Michigan infractions case is related to impermissible on and off campus recruiting during the COVID-19 dead period and impermissible coaching activities, not a cheeseburger. <laughs> um, so uh, apparently coach, uh, there was rumor that coach Harbaugh bought somebody a cheeseburger or something like that yeah. during, during the dead period. Um, yeah, that's why I had heard from the uh, a lot of like just the ESPN, uh, Colin Coward, people like that were just saying he bought someone a cheeseburger and it was not a big deal. So I guess they're just without saying exactly what it is, they're just trying to let people know that it's it's not that simple. So right, right. So uh, Harbaugh has declined to comment, which uh, is probably the right move. Um, but it said in July at Big Ten Media Days, quote, I'd love to lay it all out there. There's nothing to be ashamed of, but now is not that time. Honestly, you know how I feel about the NCAA, Garrett. I, I just think that it's just this big, stupid bureaucracy that just needs to get the heck out of the way. 
and they just love to stick their nose into everything. Uh, to me, this whole situation is probably a, a whole lot of nothing. And, um, you know, I understand Michigan's response of, hey, let's give ourselves a slap on the wrist so maybe the NCAA will leave us alone going forward. Um, but not, uh, to me, this this is just a joke. And again, the NCAA finds themselves as the butt of that joke. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think that uh, it's, I mean, we don't really know much about it. They're they're not really saying much at this point in the process, but it, it sounds like something that, based on what we can tell, um, a recruiting violation, and it sounds to me something that we pretty much assume all the other schools are doing as well. Um, right. And again, you got to have a set of rules, and those rules need to be enforced at some point. Um, but like you said, to me, it just seems like something that they were, maybe we was reported to them and they have to, they just have to do what they have to do to make sure that they don't just to show that they care about the rules and they want to keep people in line. So they're going to do their, you know, do what they have to do, hand out a suspension maybe. And, uh, you know, yeah, clever little, uh, self-imposed suspension from Michigan to, suspend him for their three home non-conference games right uh to start the season against crappy teams and then he's going to come back right before conference play starts so uh yeah good move on their part but uh yeah i don't i to me this seems like it's probably he's probably going to serve his you know his three games this year they're going to win those three games easily he's going to come back like nothing happened and it's probably not going to amount to much more than that so right i i feel like that's probably all that's ever going to come of this all right, what do you think of East Carolina against Michigan? I mean, East Carolina, they looked uh, okay last year. Uh, well, uh, I mean... Uh, I mean, they I'm almost took say, NC State to, to the win, 21-20, to well, no big deal. <laughs> I mean, week one, anything can happen, sure, but uh, to me, I think this is going to be a no contest. If I mean... Like, you know, maybe they pull off another app state from years ago and they go in and shock Michigan at the big house. But right, right. You know, my my money is going to be safely on uh, safely on Michigan with this one. That's fair. And looking at Michigan's schedule, East Carolina to kick things off. Then they've got UNLV Bowling Green. And then, as I mentioned uh, in that article, Rutgers coming to town September 23rd. And and honestly, Rutgers, uh, how, how can we call them a Big Ten team? They haven't been relevant since. When's the last time Rutgers was relevant? Was that all the way back with the, the Shiano days? That's probably. right, the Shiano. Uh, they were yeah, ranked. To, there's a subject that we need to talk about at some point. That 2007 season where Rutgers was ranked first and then South Florida was ranked <laughs> first. Cal was ranked first at one point. What a weird season. That was, uh, yeah, that was a wild time. I mean, I think that w- that would have been pre Big Ten era, though, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, that's Greg Schiano. What a fall from graces, you know. But just a little uh, exciting times, a little in in that era. That a little it, more parody back then. I w- you you could say that it was that it was not not all this super conference stuff that we've discussed in the past but i digress there's the michigan update there with harbaugh a self-imposed three game suspension um garrett you had a topic that you wanted us to chat about and it had to do with a some buffalo team buffalo team the buffalo bills exactly no the colorado buffaloes come on oh, we, oh those got, buffaloes yeah we got prime time i mean uh, it's sort of a big deal going on over in uh colorado but for whatever reason the media just seems to think colorado's not going to do anything like uh um mark i don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name shalebach took shots at Deion Sanders Looks last good. week. And then another ESPN analyst went out of his way to say the Buffaloes might have the worst FBS roster. That was Tom Luganbill went on the record with his unfounded prediction on Monday saying, quote, you thought UMass was the worst roster in college football. It may be Colorado. Well, what do you think about Luganbill? Well, I think that that's a little bit um, overreacting. Mm. Uh, I mean, Colorado obviously they have a lot of hype when Deion Sanders moved there. 
Right. Uh, they brought in a ton of recruits, including uh, his son at quarterback. Couple, his son at quarterback. Um, let's see. They got the number one transfer portal class this year, but that's probably just based on volume, to be honest. Mm. Uh, 51 transfers on the site right now. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a huge, uh, I don't know what to call it. I think that's a little bit ridiculous to say they have the worst roster. Right. Um, I mean, that there's a lot of good players on the roster. Travis Hunter is probably a better than, you know, a, a lot of teams in the FPS don't have a player as good as him. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just probably not objectively not true. Um, I do think that it's not a great roster. Sure. Uh, they're over under, I think this year is set at three and a half wins. And, you know, I'd say that's probably fairly accurate. Um, they're, they're probably going to, I mean, it's, it's easy to improve last year. They had what one win, right? If I'm not mistaken, that's and, correct. uh, worst, arguably the, the worst program in the country last year. Right. And I think they're going to be better this year. Not hard to say, but, um, they're, they're, I had this pulled up from uh, back in May during spring when they had a little bit more hype. The hype hadn't died down as much and people hadn't come back to reality yet. Uh, according to BetMGM, on bets placed for winning the college football playoff this year, Colorado was sixth in the country. Oh, 8%, my gosh. 8% of all bets on winning the college football playoff were on Colorado. And I mean, that's, that's just absurd. Like right. n- n- they're, they're over under again, three and a half and pe- people are projecting them to, or literally betting their own money on them winning the college football play- the playoffs. So, I mean, right. I'm glad that we're a little bit back to reality. I think people are starting to settle in and realize that it's not going to happen this year. Uh, I appreciate people believing in Dion, um, thinking that he can turn the program around. I think he can. Right. Uh, yep. the, I mean, the fact that he's brought in the amount of recruits he has just this year, the amount of transfers to a, a one-win team last year, uh, and a team that's not really a sexy program in Colorado, it's it's pretty impressive, and it just shows the, I guess the the power of his personality and charisma. Right. So I, I do believe that if he can continue, you know, with a couple more recruiting classes, I think he can become. They can become a competitive team within a few years, but you know, for this year, it's just I, I think it's a little ambitious to say that they're going to be anything competitive, right? Especially not at the national scene, but even as a, in the conference, I don't think that they're really competing for the conference this year. So, right, uh, I think if they can potentially make a bowl game, uh, a nice six-win season, make a bowl game, that would be a win for them. So definitely that's kind of my expectations for them this year. Yeah, I think the the problem that I have with Colorado is the fact that they did have 51 transfers. Now, don't get me wrong that when Prime came in and made that statement (laughs) during a press conference, basically saying, hey, uh, you might not be here. Just so you know, people are going to compete. Um, yeah. you know, to the players that were currently there, a lot of them, I think they immediately within a week or so had 47 guys gone. So, you know, yep, in a sense, yep. they, they had to replenish. I, I get that. It's just tough when you think of a cohesion kind of situation, it's mm-hmm. difficult to, uh, uh, pack and plug that many individuals into one team and then expect them to go out and have uh, the level of cohesion necessary to be successful on the field, in my book. Uh, football, right. especially in football. Football is the one of the games that is required to have a form of, uh, I guess, togetherness. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the offensive line has to be together in protecting the quarterback. The receivers have to have a chemistry with the quarterback when running their routes. And they've actually got some yep. good receivers this year. Um, and uh, the running backs have to know what assignments to pick up. Uh, the defense has to be together. And when you have this many transfers all coming into a, a brand new program and a place to call home um i guess uh, the the big concern for me which is 
why looking at their schedule, I might uh, struggle to go with that uh, to hit six wins. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, to me, yeah, the, the level of cohesion is uh, what is a big threat for me with Colorado this year. Um, but hey, if anybody can galvanize a locker room, it's probably Coach Prime and uh, his charisma, like you were saying. Yeah, I think that uh, you know that's that's why a lot of people went there. It's just, they just believe in him as a coach, and they believe in his ability as, I guess, just a coach and as a player and as a person. So, yeah, I think he can he can rally the troops, and um, I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be successful there in the long term. But like you said, the 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 cohesion and the program is not going to be built in just one off season. Right. So right. it does help a little bit that a good amount of his transfers did come from his his previous school, um, Jackson State, right? Correct. Um, yep. So that, that helps a little bit. And he's already got chemistry with some of those guys like his quarterback, obviously his son, he played for him last year. So. Uh, he's, he's got a little bit of uh, a foundation there, but yeah, I think that the, the chemistry and the, just the talent level in general, it's just not going to be there. Uh, like I said, a bowl game would be a good goal for them. I think a realistic goal, but you never know. Anything can happen. Uh, I wouldn't put it past them to be, to be successful. So definitely. And they take on the 17th ranked TCU Horn Frogs in Week One. It's at TCU. Yeah, that's uh, September. a really good test for them. Week One, we'll we'll see if they're the real deal or not. Probably pretty quickly. That's right. That's exactly right. And uh, you know, TCU, no big deal. That's the team that went to the national championship last year. Although some would argue that they might want to forget about that championship game and just to enjoy the Michigan win, yeah. the, the game before it. You right, know. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> But nonetheless, that's where Colorado will kick things off. And then uh, kind of looking at their overall schedule, they after that, they go to Nebraska. Uh, or excuse me, Nebraska goes to Colorado, and that's not exactly a gimme game there, a rivalry game. Uh, Colorado State, Colorado State's actually improved a little bit. Um, Colorado then goes to Oregon. Um, USC comes to Colorado, and that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, Primetime and USC, some big brands clashing there. Uh, then it's mm-hmm. at Arizona State, uh, Stanford, um, at UCLA, Oregon State, which is ranked 18th currently, Arizona, Washington State, Utah. I guess I just don't look at any of those games and think, oh, yeah, Colorado's the easy favorite. You know, maybe Colorado State, you could argue. But, um, but maybe maybe Arizona State, they're kind of going through some turmoil as a program. You could probably argue Washington State. Um, which hurts, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> but I I look at this schedule and I just think, man, well, time will tell. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to hurry up and get together on this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, half their games are gonna be, you know, they're gonna be double digit underdogs at least. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if they're the real deal or not. I, I'm thinking, like I said. Five six wins would be would be a good start for him. But again, I, I believe in I believe in Dion. I think he can turn him around the program in general in the long term. Give him give him a few years, and I think they could they could compete. And they'll be going to the Big Twelve. And speaking of the Big Twelve, well, at least a former Big Twelve team. Uh, one a, a new series that we want to talk about in here on Game Time is the most unpredictable teams of twenty twenty three. Most unpredictable programs. And one of them we wanted to start off with was Texas A&M. Um, just they, they find themselves in a real interesting spot. They, they signed a 10-year, $75 million contract when Jimbo Fisher first went to College, college Station in uh, December of 2017. And then they re-upped for a new 10-year, 94 million dollar deal that took effect in 2022 that was after they won the orange bowl in kind of a weird season uh, you and i were talking about this before the show uh where a&m won nine games they went nine and one it was a shortened season because of covid um and they won the orange bowl so everything appeared to be on the up and up for a&m and then they went five and seven last year what the heck are we supposed to make of texas a&m garrett I mean, 
I really don't know. They're unpredictable for a reason. Um, no, but I, I think that they're, they've got the talent. Um, number one recruiting class in 2022, eight, five stars. I mean, that's some of the <laughs> highest I've seen. Um, again, really talented team. And when you have a coach like Jimbo, I think that the potential is always going to be there. You can't really count them out. You're going to have to put them, uh, you're going to have to rank, rate them early on in the season every year, just based on that alone. Uh, but then you never know. I mean, last year was just, last year was just rough and I don't think anybody saw that coming. So it kind of, uh, casts some doubt now. I think that for one, they're in a really tough conference. They're playing in the sec. You're going to have some games against the best teams in the country. Right. And then, I mean, I don't know. Is, uh, what, what do you think? Is Jimbo the real deal? Is, uh, is he this great coach that deserves to be one of the highest paid in the nation? Is he, you know, on that Nick Saban, Kirby Smart level, Jim Harbaugh even? Or I don't know. I, I, I have my doubts. I mean, he was great, obviously, in the the Jameis Winston area at Florida State. Right. In his early years of, of head coaching. But it seems like since then it's been it's been pretty rocky. It hasn't really like you said, the COVID year, they went nine and one. Um you know, that that's potentially a 10-11 season if they play a 10-11 win season, if they right. play the thing out. But um, other than that, it's been fairly mediocre. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to say he's deserving of that big contract. Right. No, I'm for me, that's why I wanted to talk about Texas A&M. I, hey, in that boardroom the whoever decided to come up with that 10-year 94 million dollar deal or heck even the 10-year 75 million dollar deal back in 2017 who the heck is in charge of making these decisions at Texas A&M like is Jimbo Fisher really that big of a name to where you'd say yep he is our guy that is going to pilot the ship for the next 10 years that is insane to me. You know, it, he and you know, you asked earlier, is he on the same level of a of a Nick Saban or even a Jim Harbaugh? And I just don't think so. Now, don't get me wrong, Harbaugh. You could argue, you know, there's there's Nick Saban, there's Kirby Smart, uh, there and they're alone on top essentially. And then you've got maybe the Dabo Sweeney's, the the Jim Harbaugh. Uh, you could maybe make the case to put uh, Jimbo in that category just because he does have a national title and he does have a knack right. for getting the best recruits to come play for him. Because, um, I mean, Florida State, they were loaded. And that it shows in their national championship, obviously. Um, and he got Jameis Winston in the, in the state of Texas. So he can recruit with the best of them. And I do think that right. does have to go into consideration when considering – who is, you know, tiers of coaching and whatnot. Um, because let's just be, you know, uh, it's easy to say if you if you get the best recruits, you're not going to have a chance to really win in the games. And that's right. So um, that's certainly a part of it. But uh, to me, he's definitely kind of in that. If Saban and Kirby are A+, plus, he's B+, plus, A- minus range, I would say. Um, and it's just, he's just inconsistent when you look at Jimbo or excuse me when you look at um, Nick Saban when you look at Kirby when you look at Harbaugh even though you know Harbaugh's had some losses here and there recently they've been consistent um, but they're they're always consistently winning games that they should and that just doesn't seem to be the case for Jimbo in Texas A&M I don't know what the right. deal was last year but you look at their schedule they beat Sam Houston 31 nothing. Then they lose to App State 17 to 14. This is a team with, you know, eight blue chippers or maybe that was last year's team, but um they then they just go 5 and 7 the rest of the way finishing the season with UMass and they only beat them 20 to 3 and they needed a touchdown late to kind of give themselves distance there. Right, um, yeah. So just a to, to me if you're an elite coach 
there's no way you can be having this much inconsistency and before the show you talked about how his last 10 win season was back in 2016 or something like that um uh, i've got it pulled up here yeah it was uh 2016 back at fsu yeah they went 10 and 3 yeah so the there's but no- even even then they were they started the the season uh they started the season fourth in the polls got as high as second and kind of fell off towards the end and settled in the orange bowl but right i mean that's that's kind of been a theme for a long time is they're always highly rated for their recruiting which you know give them credit for being a great recruiter that's always going to get you pretty far but right i mean at the end of the day if you're just disappointing every season i don't see how you can can i don't see how you can justify your 10-year contract at some point with the contract he has and you know the money that they're pumping into the program you're gonna you're gonna have to win and I mean, I don't see how you can put with the with the talent that they've had on their roster. It's hard to put a five and seven record uh, with the results that they had against. I mean, uh, I mean, losing at home by seventeen to Florida, uh, Auburn, uh, Mississippi State, App State. I mean, these aren't teams you can be losing to. Right. Uh, and to do it that much, you know, seven losses last year. I don't see how you can put that blame anywhere but on on the coaches. So, right. And 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 it's and just like I said, he was had great years with uh Jameis at Florida State. Mm-hmm. But you look since then, I mean, even since uh since his last 10 win season at Florida his last season at Florida State in 2017, they went five and six. After starting the year mm. third in the polls, and then they go five and six. Right. And then last year at Texas A&M, starts sixth in the AP poll, and they go five and seven. I mean, and outside of that COVID year where they went nine and one, he's had four losses at least in every season since 2017. Right. It's just, that's not going to get it done. That that doesn't get you. In the world of college football that we're in today, I mean, if you want to be the elite of the elite, if you want to be making the playoffs, you can't lose more than one game. Exactly. And you can you can have these big wins like they ended the year last year beating LSU, uh, ranked fifth at the time. Right. And that's a big win, and they've got the talent and to do it. But you, if you're going to go out and lose uh, the week before to Auburn or something, then you know it's you. The big wins in the recruiting can't prop you up for forever at some right. point you have to be able to put a season together of consistency uh, and prove that you are one of the best and at this point it's been a long time since he's done that right and you know we're it, jimbo's getting a, f- a fair share of criticism here but i also i just have to laugh at texas a&m like what were you thinking to offer this man a 10-year deal to run your program and to pilot the ship for the next 10 years. That is a lifetime in college football. Uh, and, and here's yeah. kind of the buyout situation that they'd be looking at if they were to fire him this year, for example. They'd owe him $76,800,000, and they're prorated uh, to the date of dismissal. So, for example, if Fisher was fired on December 1st, 2023, he's due $76,800,000 plus a month's salary of $762,500. And that would be if he was fired this year. So Texas A&M has nobody to look at but themselves in the mirror thinking, huh, maybe uh, maybe we shouldn't have offered this name uh, this long of a deal. Uh, and, and maybe that maybe that's like uh, it, A&M just still considers themselves a, a lower B-plus kind of a program maybe. You know, well, right. we're not going to get a we're not going to get a chance at a name like a Jimbo Fisher. So we'll, let's lock him down. You know, uh, perhaps right. that's some of the logic that went into uh, their decision making. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. I mean, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jimbo, he, he, he hasn't. The thing is, he hadn't been a head coach for that long. Um before he even got that deal because he came, he was under, I believe he was under Bobby Bowden for a long time right. at uh, Florida state and took over after him. But, you know, he'd only been at and, and he, and he, again, he had the James, he had Jameis Winston 
and a really talented Florida State team, uh, you know, just four years into his coaching career. And then he kind of has ridden that success the rest of the way through. He doesn't ha- he hasn't had a, a, a really long resume of success um, because, again, he's he's only coached at Florida State before then. Right. And he always had great recruiting classes. And so it, it's kind of hard because a lot of the, you know, the paths for these coaches has been they start at smaller schools and sort of work their way up, proving that they can they can succeed on an even level. But mm-hmm. uh, Jimbo didn't really take that route. He kind of started at the top, really. So it's it's kind of harder to judge him as a coach when he's always had great talent because even when they succeed, it's it's hard to say if it was on talent alone or if because, uh, I mean, players can really make a coach. Look at Ed Orgeron. I mean, I don't even know what he's doing this year. And he coached <laughs> the best te- best college football team of all time. Right. The best he, he coached probably the best college football season of all time for a team. And he was fired a year or two later. So, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is. Maybe not a make or break year. I don't know if he gets fired if they have a terrible. I think if they have a t- bad enough year, Jimbo could be gone. But I, I, I don't think that's likely. I think, but I don't know. I mean, again, you, they have such a tough schedule playing in the SEC. I mean, it's hard to see. You know, because again, I feel like to justify the level of faith they put in them, they're expecting to be contenders, and I don't see how they can contend for an SEC championship even at this point, given right. the, you know, his history and given how tough it is this year. I just, I just don't see it. Right. Now for me, Jimbo, if, if I'm Jimbo and I'm looking at this schedule for me, it just has to be, it, I, it, or, or if I'm the administration, even I just want to see consistent results. So, you know, it beat who you're supposed to beat, be competitive with the, top tier teams and we'll call it a day and if right. if i'm looking at texas a&m's roster with the recruiting class they brought in at some point those players are going to start making plays maybe that's just kind of the logic with a&m here is if we get enough blue chippers uh maybe we'll turn a corner at some point even with jimbo fisher as the coach um right so you know, if I'm looking at their looking at their schedule here, they should start three and zero without a doubt. Or although uh, I could see Miami. Well, that's the thing. You you know, like I said, if they're playing, they have to play teams like Alabama and LSU. And it's like I can see if you play those games tight and you lose, that's one thing. Maybe right. you know you don't have the doubt. But it's the games like you know, like you said, at Miami, two weeks into the season, are they? You know, those should be games that you're you know, you're winning like you're supposed to, and he's not doing that. Right. So it's those games that are kind of, you know, like you said, the games you're supposed to win, but you don't. Those are the ones that really cause you to lose faith in your coach. That's right. And uh, definitely a mystery down there in College Station as we look into the upcoming season. Texas A&M starts things off this Saturday against New Mexico, and um, a lot of the players are really amped up to get things started and uh, been hearing good things out of their camp. So in theory, they should start off in style. Um, And then that first test at Miami, um, that's another program we can touch on at some point. Um, just as far as the unpredictable factor and just the fact that, I mean, it's the U, you know, everybody's seen, uh, that 30 for 30. Um, so, uh, interesting times in Miami as well. Hard to see why they can't succeed given, you know, where they're at, the history they've had the last few decades. Uh, You think they'd have a, a better program the last few years, but alas, Alas, that college football uh, takes no prisoners, that's for sure. So now that we've kind of, uh, uh, that's the most unpredictable teams of 2023, but week one is upon us, an actual number as we uh, look forward, and it's got some good games this time around. You know, USC and Notre Dame, uh, yeah, it was cool to see them play, but they didn't really play anybody. This week, we get to see some actual big matchups here. And uh, we've already got a couple jotted down. Uh, Let's just start with Florida versus Utah. Now, 
the the summary out of this game is essentially it's going to come down to uh, a couple things. The quarterback is the big one. The big question for both teams is you know which quarterback is going to win the day with Cameron rising. You know, he's coming off of that ACL injury, which is sort of a big deal. And then with Florida, you've got Graham Mertz. Uh, he's a veteran transfer, a lot of experience, not a lot of production, though. He's got 38 touchdowns to 26 interceptions in his career, and he's only a 59% passer. So that, those numbers don't exactly give me a ton of confidence, especially against Utah's defense from everything that I'm hearing. This Utah defense is arguably the the best that uh, Kyle Whittingham has had at the program. Um, That's impressive, given how their how good their defense has been. Even last year was one of the best in the country. So right, that's right. Yeah, and, gonna be, that's gonna be a tough test for uh for uh, Florida, especially if they aren't sure at their quarterback situation. You know. Well, and here's some fun facts as well. Uh, the Utes they're twelve and one under Kyle Whittingham for home openers. And wow. uh, here comes Florida. Uh, by the way, this is the first time Florida has had an out-of-state non-conference game since 1991. So interesting, kind of a, a a rarity here for the Gators, which I suppose shows that wow. SEC bias. But hey, I'm not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, uh, so last year Florida defeated Utah 29 to 26. That was a very entertaining game. Came down to the wire. Yep. An incredible yep. play with uh, 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 some Richardson guy who's now playing in Indiana, Indianapolis. Um, and uh, Florida got the dub. But this time around, man, I don't know. The Utes just look very impressive. They've got a good offensive and defensive line. They've got a quarterback whom I'm more confident in despite an injury. Um, Mm -hmm. and really it's going to come down to can Florida get pressure on him uh, and can Florida run the ball effectively? I mean, last year they ran for 200 yards per game in 2022. Um, So, and then um, they averaged 6.6 yards per play a year ago. That was 10th best in school history. Um, So the question is, can Florida get enough yards on the ground to uh, help their quarterback Mertz? Uh, be more comfortable so that he's not forced into some tough situations. Uh, can they get enough pressure on rising? Uh, so th- those, for me, are the big question marks here. But to me, Utah's got to have the edge. Yeah, I would agree. I think Utah's just going to be – I think they're just the better team. And I think their defense is probably going to be too much for Florida. Um, the Florida, you know, they they relied on Richardson a lot last year to be their playmaker, and Without him, I don't see them. Uh, I don't see. I just don't see them overcoming that Utah defense this year. So right. I, I would agree with you. I think. Uh, I think I'd have to go with Utah on this one. Right, and Utah. Talk about a program that's been incredibly successful in the Pac-12, yet it never seemed like they could ever get over that hump. Um, they right, did. Yeah. They did take down USC last year in the uh, the championship game, if I'm not mistaken. There. Um, so yeah, big upset. Really, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken. Really knocked out uh, USC's playoff hopes. So yeah, it was uh, yeah, that was quite the game. Yeah, that was. Um, let's pull up the score here. I believe it was uh, 47 to 24. And then the they beat them twice that year, which is incredibly difficult to do. They beat them at home, 43 yeah. to 42. And then in the championship game, just annihilated them, 47 to 24. And uh, USC's defense just nowhere to be seen and it Kyle Whittingham it showed that he was a tactician made the made the uh, changes and took him down but yeah this Utah team um, I think has an opportunity to challenge once again for the Pac-12 title um, I don't it to me it's Utah and Oregon and USC that's the top three there in the Pac-12 um, so if Utah wants to really come out and make a statement um, beating an SEC opponent on your home field, not a bad way to start. No, yeah, that'd be a great start to their season. I, uh, and I, I expect them to do so. Like you said, I I like Oregon in this. I mean, I like Utah in this one. Uh, so that is, uh, that's going to be on Thursday, actually, some Thursday night football. So y'all can uh, tune in then. Um, should, should be a good one in uh, Utah. And then uh, LSU versus Florida State. After that, um, 
that's going to be a Monday game, or excuse me, a Sunday night game. Interestingly, night, yep. interestingly enough, who needs the NFL? No, it's not. It's not here yet. But I digress. Uh, Garrett, who do you like in the LSU Florida State game? So this is probably going to. I mean, I probably one of the most exciting games of the year. Um, you know, as far as games I'm looking forward to, and we get it week one, so that's pretty exciting. But uh, I think. Uh, I like LSU in this one. Uh, last year, Florida State just barely got the better of them in a really exciting finish. Uh, mm-hmm. If anyone remembers the blocked extra point uh, with no time left on the clock, uh, probably one of the games of the year. Twenty-four to twenty-three, but, the final. Yep. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. Like I said, probably one of the games of the year. Uh, but yeah, should be another exciting one this year. Florida State's got a lot of hype coming into the season. Uh, both top ten teams. I think it's going to be. It'll be a good game, but I like LSU just for the simple fact that I really like Jaden Daniels. I think that he's I like Caleb Williams a lot for the Heisman, but if it, if Caleb Williams doesn't win it, I would pick Jaden Daniels to win it. Um I mean, last year just unbelievable uh stats, 17 touchdowns, 3 picks. He, he's he's really safe with the ball. Um mm. he's been uh He's been a starter for three years, and in uh, two of those three years, he only threw he threw less than three interceptions right. on over 330 attempts in both those seasons. So, hmm. um, big fan of Jaden Daniels. He's also a great runner with the ball, and I think he's going to be the difference maker. Um, both teams like to put up points. They put up, I think, over 34 points a game last year. Both teams, they both have pretty solid defenses. A lot of talent on both sides of the ball, so they're very they're pretty even. Uh, LSU is going to be hampered a little bit. One of their best defensive players, Mason right. uh, Mason Smith, is going to be out suspended for Week One. Stupid uh, ruling, by to, the way, just stupid. It, I I digress, very, but I could uh, go on about the NCAA ruling there. Just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, talk about the NCAA. Uh, it was for I believe in 2021. He signed an autograph or for something pre NIL. And Jeez. so they've gone back and suspended him for that when they found out. That just really pretty, grinds uh, my gears, you know? Yeah, pretty pretty, uh, pretty petty on the NCAA's part. But and it's, and it, Normally, I feel like they, they put hand down these one-game suspensions early on in the season because they know they don't matter, like the Harbaugh one. But, right. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, this is a huge game for both teams. And that really, really sucks he has to be out week one, especially – considering he's maybe their best defensive player. So, right. Yeah, they won't have him, but at the same time, they've still got a lot of talent. Um, their defensive line still has a lot of uh, all SEC talent level on it. So mm. I don't think that it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be, you know, game losing for them. Uh, I think it maybe tightens it up a little bit, opens up some of the running room for Florida State, but uh, I still like LSU in this one. Well, there you have it, folks. LSU in this one, and and I I would also pick LSU in this game as well. Um, in fact, Garrett and I have uh, I, I'm pretty sure we have the same uh, college football playoff finalists, and LSU comes in at number three for both of us. Um, so it should be LSU taking this one in route to a very excellent season. And Brian Kelly, I think, has got LSU set up for big success. I just think his system really fits that program well. Um, And you know they're going to be tough defensively. Um, Brian Kelly, great hire um, for LSU here. Yep. Yeah, I agree. He he made a lot of noise prior to last year when he came in with his – his uh, supposed fake Southern accent and the weird TikTok videos he was making with the recruits. But <laughs> he, I mean, he really backed it up on the field. They lost to Florida state early last year, but after that they played a pretty, I mean, talk about, and this is what we're talking about with Jimbo as, uh, right. you know, he, he loses all the games that he shouldn't. Well, uh, Brian Kelly at LSU last year, I mean, they won all the games they should. And, you know, some of the close games like Tennessee, Georgia, uh, they lost those, but they were still able to to put together a season to where they made the SEC championship game and just lost to Georgia, right? Uh, Fifty to thirty, but um, I mean it's pretty understandable. Georgia was unstoppable last year, so 
they they pretty it was a quietly really good season for LSU last year, and I think that they're just going to build upon that one more season under Jane Daniels' belt. Um, a lot of talent coming in. I think they're just going to be even better this year, and I think they're going to take that step forward and uh, and make the college football playoffs. And I think Florida State again, they're they a lot of talent. Um, great recruiting classes the last few years, and they had a pretty solid season last year. I, I like Jordan Travis a lot. Um, again, someone with a lot of experience. This is going to be, I believe, his, this is going to be his sixth year playing college football. His second, uh, second and a half year starting really. Hmm. And again, someone who's pretty safe with the ball. Uh, never thrown more than six picks in a season. 24 to five touchdowns, interceptions last year, over 3000 passing yards, 64% accuracy, uh, really talented. And, you know, I think he's going to lead them to a really successful season. But again, I think that just the, the talent levels on LSU, especially on the defensive side of the ball are a little bit higher. And, um, I think that LSU is going to make the difference there as well as some of their playmakers like Malik neighbors, um, a little more experience and a little more talent, I think, is just going to make make the difference. I think Jaden Daniels, uh, both with his arm and his legs, uh, is going to be just make a little bit uh, a little bit more of a difference than Tra- Jordan Travis will. So that's right. why I like LSU. Well, there you go. LSU potentially, according to the experts here on Game Time, coming up with a win. Uh, but, you know, it's not just those two games that we should be keeping an eye on. Um, you know, for me... Uh, another game that the folks at home should be looking at is going to be Boise State at Washington. Um, the number 10 Huskies in this one hosting the Broncos. And I guess the the, the thing for me uh, that would want to highlight this game is that Boise State last year, looking at their standings, they finished 10-4 and four on the season. Um, a, a very successful campaign for the Broncos. And they're, of course, bringing some of that strength back for this season. Um, Huskies, also very successful campaign. They've, they were one of my dark horse teams for potentially making a push to the college football playoff. Obviously, a lot has to go right for it to get to that point. And they've got to beat some good teams. And you, historically, what happens with the Pac-12 is they just cannibalize one another. And next thing you know, they don't have right. anybody that could compete for a uh, national title so uh, we could very well see a repeat of that but uh, Michael Penix Jr. Um, he's got to be up there in Heisman consideration one of the best quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the country the Huskies have one of the best receiving core in the country right behind Ohio State I would argue um, just some incredible talent there um, for me the question mark is is Washington's defensive front going to be able to compete with Boise State's offensive line a lot of veterans up front a lot of strength and uh, they've played a lot of games together so for me I don't know if I would say the Huskies should be on upset alert but I think Boise State's going to give them a good game and um, it's something worth watching in the Pacific Northwest uh, that's going to be this Saturday uh, 12:30, so past noon uh, just just past noon kickoff yeah, um, I like Michael Penix Jr. a lot. I'm I, I'm really impressed with uh, the way he's been able to turn his career around after being at Indiana for four years. Right. Really, just did not do a lot there, and I was just, I mean, really shocking, shockingly impressive season last year from Penix. I mean, almost 360 passing yards a game, 31 touchdowns, eight picks. That's uh, and 65 percent accuracy. That's really impressive from uh from him and I, yeah like you said if washington can you know uh come out on top of the gauntlet in the pac 12 i think he's got a good shot at a uh, good shot at the heisman there if he can continue playing that that well so right um yeah I, I like washington this season and yeah it's a good test for him to start the season out um but yeah it should be a good game so that's in the pacific northwest garrett you got your you got an eye on another game uh, there's, there's a few good games this week, um, but it'd be, be hard for me to look past the game uh, between UNC and South Carolina. Uh, they're Battle playing the Carolinas. just down the road from me, so uh, right in my backyard. But yeah, that should be a good game. Uh, I'm excited to see. It's going to be a great quarterback matchup uh, if you like quarterback play. You got Drake May for UNC. 
potentially the number two quarterback, maybe um, number two pick in the draft, uh, right behind Caleb Williams, probably. Um, he had a great season last year and really a lot of hype coming out. Uh, but just, a, you know, last year, I think a lot of people even said that Drake may, if he was able to come out into the NFL draft, he would have been a top 10 pick. So, right. Uh, a lot of expectations there. UNC has been a sneakily good football recruiting school the past few years as well. So they've got a lot of talent. Um, it'll just be whether or not Mac Brown can really put it together to be competitive with teams like Clemson and Florida state. Right. Uh, they're kind of in that second tier with teams like NC state for competing in the, the ACC. So, and the way the ACC set up this year, they have no divisions. Mm. Um, so if uh, it'll be Clemson and Florida state in that top two, so it's going to be difficult for them to overcome one of those two to try and make the championship game. But um, they've got the talent for it. Right. And they've got the quarterback set up to succeed. So uh, I'm excited to see what Drake may can do in this game. And then opposite him for South Carolina, you got Spencer Rattler, uh, Spencer Rattler. I mean, you know, two or three years ago, people were talking about Spencer Rattler being uh, the top three quarterback in the draft with right. people like Caleb Williams and Drake may, but then he had a really terrible uh, experience at Oklahoma transferred over to South Carolina. And I think I, I, I have a lot of uh, family who went to South Carolina. So I, I watched a lot of South Carolina sure. last year. And I mean, I was impressed with Spencer Rattler, especially towards the end of the season, that Tennessee he game really, the Tennessee game was like, man, he like, I mean, that was just incredible. And for them to pull that off, I, it made me a believer again in Spencer Rattler. And I, I, I never really liked Spencer Rattler. They had, uh, he was on that, uh, QB one. Yeah. On that show. And he was just, you know, didn't come off great, but you know, I, I think going through the adversity of going from, uh, being on top of the world to, having to transfer out to even maybe play and have playing time. And now you're, you know, your entire NFL career where people thought you were a, a number one pick to now it's like, can he even make it to the NFL? Right. I think that probably humbles you a bit. And I like seeing people like that, that fall off like and have to fight to get back. I like to see them succeed. So I'm rooting for him. And I, he gave me a lot of reason to believe that he can, come back to to an elite playing level at the right. end of last year so um yeah that's gonna be exciting to see both those quarterbacks and i don't know just see what kind of uh season they can get off to a start right in week one but um yeah should be a good game unc like i said ranked 21 great recruits a lot of talent uh they have the quarterback to succeed south carolina uh, probably not as much talent, but again, Spencer Rattler, um, you know, all the talent in the world there to to carry a team. So that should be a really good game, and I'm excited to see, you know, both those quarterbacks go at it. Yeah, you know, from my knowledge of uh, both of those programs, it, it seemed like they're, they're B2B plus programs in comparison to some of their competition and their uh, distinctive conferences. Like North Carolina had a couple of, of years, um, I forget the uh, coach's name, but they would, they would start out the season in the top 10 and then uh, yeah. they, would ha they would have recruiting violations or uh, NCAA sanctions handed down that would kind of muck things up. And next thing yeah. you know, they're not yeah. even in the top 25 a few weeks later. And uh, it, it just always seemed like, man, North. Uh, I remember a couple of Chick-fil-A bowls or uh, Chick-fil-A uh, opening weekend games that they would be mm -hmm. in and they would just get smoked by their SEC counterpart. Um, and then South Carolina, you know, they've had some really good history. Um, especially, uh, uh, gosh, I remember when Spurrier went to South Carolina, kind of resurrected them for a few years and then they had some right. downtime and then they've been, um, uh, you never know with them, uh, what, uh, Jadavian Clowney, when he was there, that, that, those were some interesting squads. Um, so yeah, uh, getting to see, uh, them do battle here, always an entertaining game. I agree. A good one to tune into. Um, you know, a couple of other games to keep in mind. Uh, number seventh ranked Penn State uh, hosting West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia is a Big Twelve program. Uh, they've they've had some solid years in the past. 
Uh, you, you remember that Pat White, West Virginia, where they were number two and they went to the national championship game? There, yeah. There's another team we could oh, do a profile on. Pat White, Steve Slayton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great, great era. It, it, interesting times. Um, so there's another game you can keep an eye on there. Um, Clemson, they're going to open up against Duke, so another conference versus conference opening. Uh, Ohio State and Indiana, conference versus conference open there. Um, Indiana, uh, it, they're hosting Ohio State, so they start right off the bat with uh, the number three Buckeyes. And um, not much hope for me <laughs> in the ballpark as far as them knocking off Ohio State, but uh, you never know. That's why we play the games. So Right, exactly. Well, uh, unless we you won, anything can happen. Exactly, exactly. And Garrett, if you unless you have anything else, I think that's going to do it. Yeah, I think I'm good. I think I've said all I can say. And that's all we've got for you, folks. This has been Game Time with Garrison and Garrett. Uh, this is week one, and uh, we look forward to seeing some college football kicking off here shortly. And uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, on Spotify, anywhere where you get your podcasts, you can find us there. Um, and also you can visit us on Dropwave. That's our podcast provider. Um, that's got the RSS feed that you can plug into your favorite podcast provider anywhere. And uh, we hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.